till we couldn't shake no more. We got down on our knees when cancer knocked at our door. We got kicked in the ass. We gave lots of sass. Oh, when it rains, it falls into this half full glass. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark. Hi, I'm Mimi Hall. And I'm Leanna House. And you're listening to Thanks Cancer. We are two cancer friends. And we're not doctors. We're not nurses. We're not shrinks. We're not psychics. We're not shamans. No, and cancer's pretty hard, too. I mean, cancer's a little hard. You might hear some swearing words in the episode. Ben, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish that we had when we were going through our treatment. You guys ready? Yes, let's go. All right. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me here at 100 Acts of Love. I'm super excited because this week I have these fantastic women. They own a company called Thanks Cancer. I found them on Twitter. And what I love about them is that they call it like it is. I mean, Leanna and I were just talking and she said it's unsanitized. And I love that because there's no hand sanitizer here, bitches. (laughs) Exactly. There's no hand sanitizer here. Speaking of which, they swear, I swear, which some of you already know. So if you are uncomfortable with swearing, I highly recommend that you listen to another one of my podcasts or get comfortable and listen to it. Or and really- fucking lighten up. Exactly. We're fucking lighting up. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to introduce you to my two guests. I've got Mimi here. Um, Mimi Hall, could you raise your hand, please? Thank you. And Leanna House, which I love saying. Um, and I continue. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. (laughs) And together they do Thanks Cancer. They have a podcast that they put out and they also are very active on Twitter, which is where I found them. Um, They are, they call it like it is. And the reason I wanted them here on this podcast is because as someone who loves someone with cancer or who wants to help your friend with cancer or a coworker, like there's, you need to be really honest and real and you need to hear from people who have had that experience to know exactly what to do because it's not a, you can't put on your cake gloves and be all delicate and gentle. That is not what your friend with cancer needs. Your friend with cancer needs you to show up as you in the magnificent way that you can show up. And Thanks Cancer is going to help us see all these different ways that you can do that for your friend during the holidays. So thank you guys for being here. Thank you for having us. So really quick, I'm just going to talk about, um, now Mimi, you had, you were diagnosed with aggressive HER2 positive breast cancer in 2015. You were treated through Dana-Farber, which I think is fantastic. And you had a lot of other stuff, but your main, your main drug was tox, was uh, Taxol, which I think a lot of people with breast cancer, a lot of people, even not in the breast cancer world, including myself, know about. And then, Leanna, you had the same kind of cancer that killed your mother, which was the estrogen-positive HER2 breast cancer. And you also had Taxol. Um, you both had mastectomies. And then radi- you had radiation and reconstruction. Both of you guys had radiation. No, you didn't have radiation, but you both had radiation. I didn't. No, thank God. It sounds awful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, it's awful. <laughs> exactly. So, and I know, Le- and um, Mimi, you also talked about how podcasts really helped you kind of get through the cancer. And so that's one of the reasons that you all got together and started Thanks Cancer. I also, yeah, yeah. (laughs) you didn't start cancer. No, because if you started cancer, people would really want to hurt you. Um, (laughs) We started gratitude for cancer. Well, yeah, we tried to find the gratitude (laughs) in our podcast. (laughs) 
that's the thing about cancer. There is gratitude for the for what the experience is teaching yeah. you, but it doesn't mean that the that it's okay for the experience to have happened. And yeah. I think that's really what I want our my listeners to really know is that look. <laughs> Those sayings of stay strong and God doesn't give you more than you could handle, all that other stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the reality is cancer sucks. And we would all have been very, very happy to give up this journey. I would be happy to have my husband back. You guys are happy to have your breasts back. You know, we'd all be happy to not have this journey. Um, we are trying to put a positive spin on it sometimes, but the reality is in order to get to that positive, you really need to go through the negative. Um, and you dip back and forth and back and forth, back and forth. Okay. So I wanted to ask you guys a couple questions and mostly focus on, mostly focus on the holidays. But what I really want to ask you about right now is why did you launch Things Cancer? Like what drove you to do it? Because a lot of people have cancer and don't do anything like what you're doing. Yeah, which I don't know that I would recommend, like, starting a podcast, because it's been, like, a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, starting a new endeavor when you're, like, going through something is difficult, so... Yes. We, yeah. why, why did you, why did you agree to this? Yeah, so we, so we both, like, the end of, we, we met at this Facing Forward conference, that was a conference, it was an eight-week seminar that we participated in, and Leanna and I definitely vibed at the same level, and what we found was that, you know, the conversations we were having afterwards, which were gritty and real, and involved swearing, and, and hilarious, tears, and, you know, just, yeah, and, and Leanna was, I'd been, you know, we both were into podcasts. Podcast, and I've been um, interested in starting a podcast. Leanna was interested in writing a book. And I said, mm. you know, maybe peanut butter and jelly here. So like, to be clear, I didn't write a book because my sister said to me, I will never read yeah. a book. And I'm like, what? And she's like, I don't read books. That's like, an issue. Oh, book. that's such a good point. And then we did start thinking about it too. It's like when you've got chemo brain, like especially I used podcasts when I was in the chair for long periods of time, getting those treatments that would take like four hours, five hours. You're kind of out of it when they give you like the Benadryl IV and you can't really communicate with the people around you, but you're not sleeping. You're in this like netherworld. So we hope that the podcast is there for people who can't read because both of us were voracious readers before right. this happened. Well, and and lost that a little bit during what, chemo. What I wanted to listen to during chemo yeah. was in real life cancer friends. Right. I wanted right. someone there who understood what I was going through, and I didn't have that, no. and you didn't have that. And we are in Boston. We like, we can use that yeah. for someone else. Yeah. Right. right. And, and that's really what I've heard from our listeners yeah. that we are. I am keeping you company and you don't have to maintain this relationship. There's right. no effort. Thanks, cancer. <laughs> for you. Right. And which brings me to a really important point. If you have a friend or coworker, family member has cancer, your job is to make it easy on them. I mean, we spoke a little bit earlier about when you give something to your friend with cancer, do not expect and want a thank you note or, a, or a, you, a thank you at the time for sure, but this like heartfelt thank you note or some type of response when you send an email because 
chemo and cancer is heavy enough. And then the notion that you have to kind of give, that you as a person with cancer have to kind of give out and give more energy, it's not going to happen. So keep your expectations low. So let's talk about expectations for the holidays. Um, so Thanksgiving is in two weeks or a week and a half, and then we roll into Christmas and New Year's. And, you know, um, I don't know about you guys, but I we were invited to a lot of different places. We used to go. We live out in L.A., all our families back east, and we used to get on a plane and go back east for Thanksgiving and for Christmas, and it was a lot. And obviously, Art was diagnosed in the end of August the first time, So, and he was on a two-week regimen, and we weren't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I found was that some of our friends were really great at inviting us places, and even though we, we turned down, I think we turned down almost every single offer, but a lot of our friends didn't invite us because they didn't think, well, I don't want to bother you, I don't want to do this, and, 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 and then I felt bad because it was the holidays, and I know how frenzied people get, so I didn't want to kind of intrude, and I didn't want to say, hey, can you, can you pick me up milk, can you like help out here, can you take the kids for the afternoon, like I didn't want to intrude on that piece of it. Um, so what are, what are a couple of things that people did during the holidays that were really helpful to you? So for me, my family lives across the country in Utah. Mm -hmm. And um, whenever I go home for the holidays, like I am the one going to see my family. Like I really have yes. to make an effort. You serve them. Because, yes. yes. Yeah, because they all have, they're all married, they all have kids sure. and like totally understandable. But when I had cancer, like I could not do that. Right. And I couldn't plan things and I couldn't be helpful. And I just showed up and expected people to feed me. And I packed very little and stole all of my sister's clothes. So nice. And <laughs> I <laughs> wore like sneakers because that's the only pair of shoes I brought to like are like not formal like family pictures, but kind of like I shouldn't be wearing mismatched sneakers in our <laughs> family pictures that I made people come to. So it was very helpful to me that um, no one could expect me to do anything. And my family was really, really good at that. No expectations. Mm. And just like make sure Leanna's warm make sure she's fed. Like, does she have a book? She really likes books. Give her a book. <laughs> and that was lovely. Like yeah. I would, that's how I want to live my life. <laughs> that's, and, and we all do. So Leah, tell, you told me the story before we started about how that family photograph yeah. came about. Can you tell that story? Okay. So my, I have a really big family. I have five brothers and sisters and everyone's married and everyone has kids and stepkids. And it's a really big bunch and it's really hard to get people together for family pictures. And with all of the family politics as well, obviously, mm -hmm. um, I, also, I have a stepmother and a stepfamily and all of this. And so I told my family that what I wanted for Christmas mm -hmm. was a family picture. Mm -hmm. And my family's like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> like, we've been trying to make this happen for, I don't know, five years, 10 years. I don't even know. And so my family... I like, I said, I want a family picture. And then I like mic dropped and like stepped out of, stepped out of it. So I'm like, you guys figure it out. And that's a lot. Just like trying to figure out how to get 30 people together for the oh, holidays yeah. is really, really hard. Yeah. And uh, they, they made it happen. Hmm. They made it happen. And I, it was, it was touch and go like up until the photographer got there. Like we were wow. still missing a couple of people, but everyone, everyone showed up and I got to live my, I'm the youngest 
youngest of six. Okay. And so growing up, I never got anything like I wanted. Mm -hmm. So during the pictures, I like crashed everyone's picture and made my brothers and sisters hold me up physically, which a couple of them did not think that was the greatest idea and did not want to do, but they can't say no to me because I have cancer. (laughs) (laughs) So so, um, that was... They could, but it wouldn't be nice. It would have made them them look bad. Uh, So that, that was probably the nicest thing that my my family and in-laws did for me was they gave me the gift mm. of not having me bear any emotional weight during the holidays. Yeah. Right. That's a, that's a big gift. And, um, and I kind of want to talk to the listeners, you know, that's something that you can give your friend with cancer. You can ask, Hey, I'd like to arrange to have family photos taken of you and your kids or you and your family. I will take care of everything, right? So it's not, it's not just I want to arrange it and write, I want to, write, I want, to, want to write a check. It is I want, to, I, want to make, I want to coordinate it so that you know where you're going and that you just need to show up. Um, those are the most, those are really kind of the basis of all the most helpful things that you can do for someone with cancer or dealing with death is get it so that they just need to show up, that they don't need to expand any extra emotional energy. Um, because they're already expanding a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Mimi, what about you? What, is, what, is, what, did, what, did, what did someone do for you during the holidays? Well, I think um, what, what, what I got was a pass for my family, my first Christmas, because some things had just been closing in. Um, we didn't know if the medication was working at that point. It was, you, had, you had just started, right? Yeah, I just started in November. So it was like, suddenly it was like, I'd had maybe like two or three treatments, maybe I think just two treatments by the time that Christmas rolled around. And I had planned to go off to a retreat um, at Kripalu. It's a yoga center in Western Mass. And um, I planned to do that Christmas night after my brother's Christmas. And something just happened. I got filled with anger. I just could not be with my family. I couldn't be with like my niece's first Christmas just seemed like so, I just seemed like I was in a really dark place and I couldn't be around that. So I just sort of called everyone and I said, look, it's not you, it's me, but I'm just going to head out to Kripalu early. And I took off, exit stage left. I just went and I would never do something like that now. And I mean, as Leanna knows, like I I, I was saying, we're having Thanksgiving here, you know, years later, but at the time, that was who I was. That was where I was. And I really appreciate them honoring that and not holding it over me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. People even inadvertently guilty about it. They were just like, okay, fine. It's in the past. And yep. that's a really big gift. Yeah. Giving a gift of no expectations. Yes. I, so I was powerful. I would also say that for the person going through cancer, you should also have no expectations because don't yeah. think don't forecast what, how you are going to be during the holidays, because you think you're going to have energy to do all these things. Like don't have expectations of yourself or of others. Right. Right. Just enjoy the moment and be there with the people you love. Yeah. It's a little bit like being in AA where you have to just like live in the moment and just be in that moment all of the time, you know, even or any kind of recovery. It's like a really different thing of like, I'm just going to get through today right. or this minute or this moment. You know what I mean? I think that's really important. And it drove both of us crazy. We're not out of the woods yet. Like we're no. still both recovering from those two years. And I think 
you know, that's another thing I would just say to your listeners, to our listeners, we say it all the time, like, it doesn't end <laughs> at the end of treatment. It never ends. Right. So if you have someone, if you know someone with cancer and you can't get them this Christmas, doesn't right. mean you can't invite them over for next Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, um, after Art was declared, you know, in remission, you know, we were all happy and excited. And right. then he was still, he had neuropathy. Like he was having trouble walking because the nerves in his feet and he was having trouble holding pens because the nerves in his feet and hands had been so damaged. And so we felt this kind of like almost um, like just kind of anger that you know he was cancer free and then actually we went into the we went to the following holidays and he was still dealing with side effects from from the drugs um so that's that's a really good thing i think to remember that you know just because they're cancer free doesn't mean that they're done they're not no. done they're not done at all um what are some like day-to-day -day things that that were helpful to you around the holidays um like did people come and help decorate like just just what are some day-to-day -day things that that you found helpful you want to go? No, you go. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> I think just including me, um, because it does get to be a really busy time of year for everyone. And I think just being included, um, a couple of my friends planned trips like right after the holidays. So like the day after Thanksgiving, a friend took me down to Florida. And that was like, oh. I wouldn't say that was a small thing. It was actually like a major thing. Yeah. And it was just great. You know what I mean? It was like a really, it was just a good, like supportive thing. And we whisked off and you know, that be, it was just really nice. But also I just say like people, yeah, just normalizing the situation, treating it as normally as possible. Okay. Um, keeping up with the normal traditions. That's all the stuff that I wanted. Right. Yeah. Right. So helping put up the decorations for the Christmas tree or the menorah or whatever, or the, whatever, the Kwanzaa, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Or if you um, don't do it, don't suddenly, you know, just do what you normally would do. Uh, read, read the cancer patient or, or the caregiver's vibe of like, are we doing Christmas right. or not? And follow their lead. Right. Well, yeah. And like emotionally and activity level, follow their lead as well. Yep. Like I, um, I yeah. went home for Thanksgiving during my treatment and I flew with my sister and she carried all of my things. She was my Sherpa. Right. I uh, was responsible for all of the things. I just had to like... Were you up. weak? You were weak? Oh, I was very weak. Yeah. Right. Uh, and she also did totally normal things. It was... It was like 9 a.m. on a flight to Utah, and I'm like, I want a mimosa. And so we got a mimosa, and we had a grand old time and annoyed our seatmate. Diana <laughs> is famous for... <laughs> But, but, but do, you, do you whip out the cancer card? You're kind of like, yeah, I can annoy you because I have cancer. Well, you know? I, 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 did, I did a lot of that too. Yep. When does the card expire though? I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think it, No, you know what, you guys? It's been 10 years since my husband died yeah. and I occasionally whip out the widow card still. Okay, all right. so I don't think there's any expiration date or if there is, no one's told me. Okay, good. <laughs> That's what we're going with. We're going to work that. <laughs> so what are, what are things, I know we talked about this earlier. It was so brilliant the way you put it. You said there's your trauma team. So I, I kind of had the circle of friends we were talking about. There's your trauma team. There are the cancer muggles. So the trauma team are people who have been through some type of trauma in their life. So they kind of understand you 
on that level, right? Then there are the cancer muggles. So those are the people who just really want to help and they love you and they want to get in there. They want to help. They're just not really sure exactly what to do. Some do, some know, some don't. And then there are cancer fans. And the cancer fans are really those who are kind of like want to use your story to, to, to improve their lives, right? So like they hear someone talking about cancer and they go, well, I have a friend who had cancer and she had a bilateral mastectomy and blah, 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 you know. And she's so, an inspiration. Yeah. She's an inspiration. Yes. Can we talk a little bit about that, about that whole inspiration thing? Like, do you want, did you want to hear that from people? Never. Never, um, especially during the holidays, because you see a lot of people that you mm. don't see day to day during mm. the holidays. Right, right. So you have people who love you. They're mm -hmm. cancer muggles. They love you. They want the best for you, but they don't have any sense of who you are, where you are, who like, you are, where you are, and what you want. And they might not have been through a similar trauma, so they they put on you all of the things that they assume about this trauma and have kind of a lot of expectations about how you're going to deal with things, what you're like, yeah. and they don't see your day-to-day, -day, you know, up at 3 a.m. crying all right. right. the hot mess, mm -hmm. having to, like, leave situations because you can't stop crying. Like, that's, it's, it's hard to have all of those expectations and all the weight of um, what people think of cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also with, with those of us who've, you know, only known a few people who had cancer and survived, right? Um, where's our role model? Like, where's our, there's not a lot of movies or films about this. I mean, you kind of like, you get together in this club for cancer and then you all split up and it's like, you've gone to camp and had some meaningful experience. Right. Or, you know what I mean? Whatever. And then you all break up. And, and so it's, I mean, that's one of the reasons we wanted to start the podcast too, was to sort of pick apart some of this in the, in the after, do you know what I mean? Yep. And to really figure out like, okay, like who are our new friends? Who are our new allies? Who, who, what, what clothes fit us now? What people fit us now? What, right. what suits us now work-wise and life-wise? It's well, a whole new era. And it's, it's like you are a teenager again. Oh, it's so like, much. Oh, I, that, this has huh. been the part that I did not expect. You were you so torn during trauma, any kind of trauma. This is not exclusive yep. to cancer. You Correct. get so torn down and you have to strip yourself bare in order to right. survive. Right. And then when you get out the other side, you have to pick up the pieces and figure out what still belongs on you. And that is a traumatic process. Well, on top of that, we went through some real cellular turnover too. I mean, both right. men and your taxol and it really does turn over all of your cells and what would normally happen in like anywhere from like eight to 15 years depending on how fast you are it happens in like three months right. and so you get spat out a really different person and there's I mean there is a cancer hoe phase afterwards where all your testosterone comes rushing back and you find yourself doing stuff that you look back on now and you're just like that wow <laughs> cancer hoe phase <laughs> that's, a, that's a real thing it's so a real thing. Oh my God. I'm so going to Google that. I love that. <laughs> follow, follow the cancer patient on Instagram. Yeah. I think, okay. um, I think, um, you, me and the big C are covering that too, but it's right. a real, like you get off of these drugs, you're, you're, you're you don't want anyone to touch you. You right. really feel like a sticky pine tree for, for a long time. Um, 
And then all of a sudden that wears off. You're finally feeling yourself again. And it's just kind of like, whoa. And it's, I don't know how long it is for each person, but you do go through all of these changes. And I mean, I think both Leanne and I have accused our teenage selves of way overbooking us. (laughs) And during the holidays, you need to treat Uh, the cancer patient as though they are a teenager or even younger, one of those um, tweenagers. Yeah, one right. of those right. okay. Because you have like no idea. <laughs> Sorry, 11 you year have olds. No, like, you have no filter. Right. You right. have no idea who you are. You say right. weird stuff. Oh, all the time. All the time. <laughs> I, I think that's such a good point because you forget, like, right, this person, it's not just cancer. Like, we have this image of cancer means there's something in your body that's trying to kill you. So we put other things in your body to kill the cancer, but that's also trying to kill you. And, and we try to. Cancer. And we right. try to, right, to kill cancer. We're trying to balance it all out. So you are, it's a, you're very emotionally raw. You're just like, you're just kind of like, bleh. And, and, and I remember the smells that came off of art. Oh. It smelled like a chemical factory. Oh, it's awful. And, and so he feels that way. And so, so that's, that's sort of that I want people to kind of remember is that it's not like, oh, I'm going to get my cancer treatment. I'm going to sit down and get this infusion and everything's going to be pretty. And yeah, I might feel a little nauseous and sure, I might have to have my breasts removed. And so that's no big deal, you know, or whatever part of me removed my testicle, whatever it is. But it's, you know, the person you're dealing with is not firing on full cylinders. They are ripped and stripped of everything of who they think they are. And they may not survive it, Right. So there's always that kind of thing running around the back of their head. Like, is this even worth it? Should I be doing this? Because I feel like shit. And then maybe I want to go out feeling like feeling so much better. So that's the type of person you're dealing with. You're not dealing with someone who's got 52 cars in a deck. No. You have like 17. You got something. I mean, on a given day. We were talking about the holidays. I mean, I had this idea that I was done with treatment in June, early June, June 2nd. June 1st was my last treatment. So 4th of July, favorite holiday. Yay, I'm from Cape Cod, parties and fun. So I came back from my bike ride and I I'd, I'd saved about 40% of my hair with like cold packs and um, eyebrow stuff and Latisse I used to keep it. And, but I had this fantasy that all of my hair was going to be growing back. Like, I thought I'd look gamine. And I, mean, I looked like a cancer patient very much. And I, I took up my handkerchief. I was in the outdoor shower at my parents' house. And I put the washcloth over my head. And all my hair came out. All my remaining hair. <laughs> I put all these cold caps. And, well, it was easy cleanup in the outdoor shower. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's compost. Yeah. So I go up to the... I go up to the... <laughs> A bird, it's bird nests for the future. So then I go up to the bathroom and my eyelashes, all my remaining eyelashes and eyebrows, which I spent a lot of money. I mean, Latisse ain't cheap. I no, mean, it's, it's like, you know, and it's hard to put on it. So all of those fell out. And then I went to this picnic and my, the puppy of my cousin, like at one point was eating the food off my plate. And I just sat there letting it go. I was like, this is just not the holiday I thought I'd have. And, you know, the next year was awesome. But, (laughs) (laughs) but that, I think that really sounds really great because it speaks to the expectations that we, I mean, that even if you had shaved your head in June, you would not have a lot of hair by July 4th. No, it was unrealistic. And we have these fantasies because we've suffered so much that we deserve it to be over. And like, we're, we were saying, like, oncologists would never tell you this. I don't even know where I got this. It's oncologists don't tell you anything. No. I mean, 
you would tell them that story and they'd be like, well, that, that happens. You lost your hair. They're like, your cancer is back. You're fine. Exactly. Exactly. They would kind of want to smack you back into it. It's still alive. Like, you have no hair, but you have no cancer. So, you know, pick, take your hair. Oh, that no, I would say what my oncologist says. Oh, but you were riding a bike. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, let's take a moment to talk about that positive spin because sometimes people really want to do that because they get what I see is that people are so uncomfortable with the fact that you're sick, right? They don't know what to say. Do that. Their first inclination is to say at least. So, well. I know you have, have had a double mastectomy, but at least you're alive, you know, yeah. or at least you had good surgery, or at least you got to go to Dana-Farber, or, you know, whatever it is. And um, I have found that that was actually one of the least helpful things that people could ever say to me. I mean, someone literally said to me after Art died, um, he was 44 at the time, so we're young, and he says, she, the woman says, well, you know, at least you're young and you're attractive and you can get a new husband. And I just thought, and I remember just my reaction was, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And then I walked away and I was like, what the hell? So what are, I mean, what are some things that, that people said to you that, that weren't helpful, that maybe were along those lines or maybe something different, especially around the holidays or maybe not around the holidays? So I come from a very religious background. I was raised Mormon, so most of my family has that history right. and also like the community that I grew up mm-hmm. with. So I constantly got, well, this will be a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. Like, look for the blessings that come from this. Right, right. Um, or like at least the medicine is better so you're not looking to die like your mother did Mm. in quite not so many words, but um, those kind of blessing and comparisons to situations 20 years ago were not helpful. Um, I had someone specific that is, is very religious. And after I got my job at Dana Farber, which was like one of the best things to happen to me during my treatment was getting my job at Dana Farber. Um, but wait, you got a job while you were being treated for breast cancer? This was right after. This was during radiation treatment. It was at the end. It oh, was during oh, radiation right. treatment. The end of your radiation. The, that fact, I was the fact that you can actually ace an interview with all that chemo surging through your body and in radiation, Leanna, you are more women than most of us. And no filter, no filter. No I mean, interviews, I'm like, I am, a, I am a disaster. Yeah. I am a disaster right now. <laughs> but I am really good at my job. <laughs> and you know I'm going to do a great job because I just told you I'm a disaster. And I also just told you I'll do a great job. So you're getting the truth. So but I, had, I had someone who told me during that time that it was a blessing that I would not have gotten this job at Dana-Farber Unless mm. I had had cancer. Oh my God. And I'm like... So bad on so many levels. Okay. Um, they don't hire cancer patients. Like, that doesn't help you. Right. Especially not a current cancer patient mm. because they know, like, the yeah. statistics... You might like, die. One in three breast cancer yeah. patients recur with metastatic. So maybe this isn't going to be the best investment. Right. So I got the job because I am really fucking skilled at what I do and right. my resume... On paper, I look incredible. And she was diminishing right, exactly. my accomplishments by saying, yeah. this is a blessing. Yeah. So be really careful about how you talk about someone else's experience. Mm. 
That is a really good point. The dimension yeah. is the word. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I, I, I'm like having, I was having a hard time thinking of one thing, but you just brought something up for me. Um, I feel like people are always trying to protect themselves from cancer. Like, how, like I feel a lot of people working it out when they're talking to me and it sort of is like done in the service supposedly of like, oh, we're going to figure out what you did wrong. And right, right. <laughs> This conversation break through it, and we're going to cure your cancer. That Dana Farber cured. Mimi, you know it's the negative. Mimi, you know it's the negative thinking that you've been doing. That's why you got cancer. Oh well, there's so many things. It usually goes into food, which is really interesting for me because right. I'm working in local food and eating local and organic, and grew up on an organic farm. Right. right. And it's brought up constantly that food during the holidays. Because you're eating. Right. What are you eating during the holidays? Yeah. There's always this question, have you changed your diet? Now, so now you're eating the diet that you should have been eating before. And I'm like, no, no, it's the diet that I was eating before. And then there's this moment, oh, but were you eating dairy? And then there's this whole right. thing to like catch you out of like, what did you do that was wrong? Another thing that I noticed that you just brought up for me was that, um, you know, I've, I've worked also in several nonprofits and, and I know some people, but I don't know anyone in the medical field and I had no connections at Dana-Farber and there's this thing in Boston and it happens in LA and New York and other cities too. I know in San Francisco, like, oh, well, you got such good care because you have such good connections. And I'm like, yeah. bitch, I called Dana-Farber. Dana right, 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 right. <laughs> Who do you think I'm going to call? Like, what fancy person is going to help me out of this? Like, I don't know. There are not there are not tiered treatments in cancer. Like, no, you might like, not get treatment because right. of insurance and cost, but like, right. there are no tiered treatments Who because should? they're just guessing. No, they're like, and also the way to get specialized treatment is have an exotic cancer <laughs> with a prognosis right. that is bidding like going through trial studies. And right. interesting, get right. an Right. you at all can. But I think right, right. that people are trying to uh, use these strategies that they use in their regular life to explain right. logical situation. Cancer is not logical. If we're right. logical, we would have figured, there might be a logic to it. We haven't figured it out. Right, right. It's not logic. Right, and so they're trying to apply this methodology that they use to lose weight or to right. have a better lifestyle. To get, to to get through the holidays, you're going to have a lot of people who were making New Year's resolutions after seeing you, the cancer patient, as a cautionary tale. Like, right. what did they do wrong? I don't know if that really happens. No, I think it does really happen because people work out, like you said, people work out their weirdness and their fears of getting Maybe, cancer. Yeah, I you. do. Could, well, could, I think that that's a really good point, is that people work out their weirdness and their fears. And unfortunately, they work it out oftentimes while speaking to somebody with cancer or speaking to someone who's, you know, who's lost um, you know, um, who's, de who's dealt with a very significant loss. And yeah. so that's the kind of tip, like I always say to when I'm, you know, talking to people, like work it out in your head, work it out with your friends. We talked about that circle, the, the dumping circle, right? So don't dump into the person with cancer and say, oh my God, I can't believe you have cancer. This is so upsetting to me. I can't handle it. I don't know what to do. Dump out to the person who maybe doesn't even know the person with cancer and say, I don't understand. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Um, there was a great study that was done that showed that women who were friends with women who had like, like stage four breast cancer were least likely to have their breasts examined. So oh. massive state of denial. So instead right. of driving women to getting their breasts checked because my friend is like going to die because of her breast cancer, we're kind of like, 
oh, it must have been the food. <laughs> you know, that, that's where we go. So I think that's a really... you go to the nihilistic place where my friend did everything right and she's fucking right. dying. So I'd just rather not know. I'd rather yeah. live in ignorant bliss yeah. Salute. Yeah. Until, right. until I die. Yeah. But unfortunately with that thinking... They then, then you as the friend are less able to really connect and help with your friend with cancer because your friend with cancer, and I think you guys found this with some of your friends, you know, some of them, people who you thought were going to come in and be so supportive, just kind of disappeared. And then that strange friend who you wave to every day on Monday, like comes in and becomes your incredible savior because they know exactly how to be themselves with you. And I think that that, to me, the people who I still have in my life from that period of time, other than my family, um, are, and sometimes that's not true, right? So sometimes that's not true. Yeah, you never know, yeah. You never know, um, are the ones who showed up authentically. Like they kind of said, I, 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 I don't know what to say. And, and they didn't make me responsible for making them feel better. Right. Um, That's key. Well, and really acknowledge the situation. Like when someone comes to me with trauma and loss, I'm like, that's really fucking shitty. How how are you doing with that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. 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 Well, we should try to get, and I'll I'll try to, we should try to get Emily McDowell on. I don't know if you know about her, Emily McDowell and friends. She writes those great cards. And right now, mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. It's my, my favorite card that she said that she has welcome to the VIP shit show. I mean, you know, and this is, you're in the line. You're well, welcome to the shit show. You're in the line for VIP holders. Oh, that's <laughs> good. That's brilliant. Oh, um, I, I call a meeting. I call a meeting in yes. LA. Okay, that'll be yeah. our next episode. You, yeah. and, and I would come out around February when you guys had enough snow and then it turns to be like little low 60s, high seven, low 70s here. That's what I think you should Beautiful. come out. I love it. Um, so let me ask you this. So most of the people who are listening to this are, I could say about, I get about uh, about half cancer patients and then half people who are friends with people who have cancer. So what, what, what advice would you give to the people who are trying to help their friends with cancer, people who are coworkers or just even acquaintances, what kind of advice would you give them on how to be supportive around the holidays? I guess I would say just keep things normal. And and again, touching back to what we said earlier, recognize that um, someone's recovery isn't done for many, many years too. So this holiday season, I'm not going to be available like I would have been five years ago, you know, and any kind of party circuit or cards is not going to happen. And it's not you as the the friend of the cancer patient. It's, it's not you. And it's up to you. If you really want to be an awesome friend, just to kind of have some insight about what's going on. Well, and I would say be a really good communicator because during the holidays, it's like fraught with all of these emotions Mm -hmm. and everyone's busy, but be a really good communicator Mm -hmm. enough to invite your friend and to say like, this is what I would like you to do. Like, if you want to come to this party, come to this party and I'll make it really easy for you. But if you don't want to do that, if you're low energy and just want to say no, then tell me that too. And um, don't expect a response. Right. Yes. Invite, make it really easy, but don't expect a response. And don't feel bad if they don't respond because they're like... They're, they have 17 cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, I think that's really good. Someone invited me to a party um, after Art died, and I really wasn't sure I was really wanted to go. And she said, "I'll be your wingman." And we mm-hmm. came up with a signal. And if I and the, we had two signals, one like get me the hell out of here, and two was get me out of this conversation. 
Mm-hmm. And so the signal for getting me out of the conversation was this. So it looked yeah. like I was picking my nose, which actually helped get me out of conversations anyway. Who really <laughs> wants to stand there talking to oh, someone who's like, oh, like this? You know? <laughs> but, um, okay, so that's perfect. So just kind of be <clears throat> be specific, like make it easy. I think that's that's so important. Make it easy mm-hmm. for your friend with cancer. Be clear, come to the party bring nothing, leave when you want, or come to the party. I'll be your wing person. We can leave together. That is great. Mimi, do you have any other separate advice for that? Because I'm going to go on to now what what to do if you're a cancer. Go for it. Go on. Okay. Okay. So we're going to ask you, Mimi, um, what advice would you give someone who is actually going through cancer during the holidays? Oh, just, just do you, you know what I mean? I would say you do you, you just, just feel the license that you have to, to take care of yourself, you know? And if that means isolating, know that that's okay. And you shouldn't judge that as you normally would judge yourself if you were isolating on Christmas, right. an exceptional circumstance. And if you want to be social, you know, like demand the family photo, you know what I mean? Do, but really feel your liberty and your license as much as the situation allows. And if you can't, you know, if there's no one there to really support you, which some people have, take care of yourself. Go, go, go to the spa that time. You know, right. that was one of the best things I did. So, right. you know, however you do that. Right. Well, what, whatever decisions you make, live in the moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. Be doing what you want to be doing as much as you can. It's not always possible, but as much as you can. Um, and really enjoy being around people that you love doing mm-hmm. things that you want to do. Yeah. Right. And I think there's, I think there's also, you know, there's, there's, as women, you know, I often feel, we often feel obligated to do all these things. Like we just kind of have this obligation thing running in our head always. And I think that when you have cancer, it's really hard to let that go. Like I feel my mother-in-law is expecting me, well, you know what? Your mother-in-law doesn't have cancer. We actually did an episode, No Shoulds in Cancer. Nope. I, I listened to that one. That was really good. Okay. So listen yeah. to that episode, No Shoulds in Cancer. And I recommend it for everybody, not just for people with cancer. Because but especially women. Yes. <laughs> yes, especially women. And so, no shoulds, ladies. No shoulds. Exactly. And it's also no shoulds for those of you who don't have cancer because we have a bunch of shoulds in our heads that we can't even, that we often don't even realize we have until we start putting them out there. Um, okay, I think, is there anything else that I should have asked? Anything else that you want to like tell the world other than to make sure that they follow you and to make sure they listen to your podcast weekly and follow you on Twitter? Well, your homework is to go out and listen to the Thanks Cancer, No Shoulds in Cancer. That's your homework. Perfect. And uh, like and subscribe, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, just remember that there's, you know, there's real victories in this darkness and that this is a chance to recreate yourself with your new knowledge. You know what I mean? And as an adult, which is a kind of cool way of being reborn. Um, It's really tough. But that's the advantage. Yeah. It's the advantage of putting yourself out there. Yeah. yeah. And I think that the same thing goes for those who want to help. It is an opportunity to kind of recreate yourself. You have a friend who really needs you and you matter a great deal to this person. Um, and not because you're special, not because you're like, you know, do some fancy magic trick, but because you're in their lives. And so this is an opportunity for you to kind of recreate that relationship and to build that relationship in a very special and unique way. And it really just, it really just kind of, it's, it's, it's what you're saying. It's like live in the moment, whatever comes to you in those moments when you're with him or her, 
you know, if you need to hug them and squeeze them to death, then hug them. Don't squeeze them to death. That would be bad. Yeah, that would be um, bad. But, but, you know. Bad um, ending to the story. I know. <laughs> and then I hugged my friend to their death. And I smothered them accidentally. I love them to death. I did. And now I'm serving 20 years in San Quentin. <laughs> Who's going to represent you in the <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. You would, end up, you would end up with like all these like followers and cronies. There's like, it's okay to love to death or something like that. Michael Avenatti would represent you. Right. Hugging is going to become verboten for anyone who has cancer. No hugs. No hugs. Please don't smother me. No hugs. Oh my God, that's brilliant. I so love you guys. So again, if you don't, please make sure that you follow Thanks Thanks Cancer. They're absolutely oh, Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to read your time. Yeah, we look forward to it. All right. And hopefully I will see you guys maybe even this Christmas. Who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll bring you something. Okay, good, good, good. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was our episode. Thanks for listening to Thanks Cancer. If you guys enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would give us a review on iTunes or Google Play. And you can find us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Thanks Cancer. And please, we'd love to hear from you, your stories. Your protocols. Exactly. Advice that you have to share with the community. So send us your audio files at info at thanksCancer.com. Well, the traffic stopped you lay on the horn and you ask yourself, where is my cancer unicorn? But we're at the gate with your cancer card. We're your passport date. Cause cancer Trees in the dark. <laughs>